All right, we are back. As we talked about at the uh, top of the program, the Humor Times will be presenting a return engagement of Mr. Will Durst. In fact, this will be an exclusive Sacramento area engagement on Friday, August 23rd at 7 p.m., which allows us to be able to say with some pride, welcome back to Radio Parallax, Mr. Will Durst. Oh, Pishaw, the honor is mine, kind sir. <laughs> now, uh, you, have, you have been, well, we advertise you every week on the program as America's foremost political comic, which, of course, you are. But my understanding is you've got a current thing here, boomer raging from LSD to OMG. You're, you're, you're branching out into some more of a perhaps Mortsall type uh, observational things, or what's, what's, what's the new tack? Uh, let me explain the germination of this. Uh, last year, had a little show uh, all about the election called Elect to Laugh. And it was just me talking about the election and all the candidates and the craziness and started uh, started it on Super Tuesday, and then I did every Tuesday at uh, a theater in San Francisco called The Marsh, every Tuesday until election night. So it starts out 65, 70 minutes long, and I'm scuffling for material, and then it just kept growing. It was so fecund. It was <laughs> such a fertile year, and Pat Robertson said that the field of Republican candidates was too extreme. I mean, Pat Robertson... So I just went on, and, uh, and it got tight and lush like a tropical rainforest. And then on November 7th, no one gave a rat's behind <laughs> about Rick Santorum or Newt Gingrich or even Barack Obama. People just wanted to forget about politics. So this year, I wrote a show that I could do forever. It's uh, about being a baby boomer. It's a celebration of the maturation of the boomer nation. Mm -hmm. And uh, not, not only can I do it for the rest of my life, I can do it if I get the right audience and they're, you know, uh, having enough senior moments. I can do the same show <laughs> over and over again. Well, you're apparently knocking them dead down in San Francisco. I guess uh, Gene Shipman of the San Francisco Examiner said that uh, your monologue was so funny, I found myself on the verge of uncontrollable hysterical laughter. Yeah, yeah, she liked it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Now, when you come when you come here to town, are you going to be? Uh, you, I, I don't imagine you're doing the same identical show, but uh, is it? Yeah, it will be the same show. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm bringing my overhead projector with me because uh, it's like an old friend. It's actually the overhead projector is why we kind of discourage young people from attending because. The archaic technology involved sometimes unsettles them. Yeah. yeah. I'm all for slideshows. I hope you bring some slides. And... No, no, transparency. Okay, well, that's... It's okay. an actual overhead projector. As I remember well from high school. Uh... Yeah, and uh, there's one point where I drop them and scatter them all over the floor. <laughs> uh, just out of curiosity, from LSD to OMG, did you ever do any LSD back in the hippie days? Oh, indeed I did. I had a couple of years there, I think when I was 19 to 21. Mm -hmm. And then, I forget what year it was, I thought I stepped on Jesus' grave. So I decided perhaps this uh, mind-altering substance is not uh, for me. And I can't even smoke pot. I get paranoid. Huh. Well, Especially with the new part, it's so good. Yeah, they, they, a lot, the greatest minds of botany have produced a monster, I think. Uh, <laughs> um, 
And now I want to ask you about something. There's apparently a film in the works uh, about you and Johnny Steele and, and Larry Brown uh, about some San Francisco institutions. And uh, tell us about that. Uh, it's called Three Still Standing. And you can go to Facebook. And if you uh, put in the number three and then Still Standing, you'll find a little trailer for it. And uh, it's there. We've pretty much finished shooting. They pretty much finished shooting. We call them the the crew from the future. Uh, my wife and I, Debbie, uh, we call them that because they've been filming for 18 months, and they claim they're making a documentary. But we're pretty sure that you know they came from the future, and either Johnny or me or Larry Bubbles Brown screwed up the ecosystem so badly that they have to come back, and they don't know which one of us it is. No, but it's a uh, it's uh, uh, a documentary about the three of us who were on the verge of stardom in the 80s and, and when comedy was breaking out and uh, comedy has contracted a little bit, but we're still doing it. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's a, I don't know, it's a documentary on three losers, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk a bit about Johnny Steele. I remember my uh, my producer was reminding me that I saw him back in the '90s, and he had a great line about describing talking about the Kennedy assassination and how uh, how Oswald was over here, but uh, and the assassins, meanwhile, were over there. And I, I remember thinking that was a pretty good line. He's he's been around a while, uh, like you, and and a pretty funny guy. He's a very funny guy, and uh, he he's got so many ideas, and he's working on so many projects. It's, uh, we, we were lucky that we were able to uh, get him for this. And, of course, you know, he's part of the big fat year-end kiss-off comedy show, which we've never brought to Sacramento or, or the uh, upper upper part of Northern California, but we should. And mm -hmm. what we do is we do uh, seven cities in seven days. and It's uh, six comics, and we do stand-up comedy and, and skits and sketches, and it's all based on the previous year. So the big fat year-end kiss-off comedy show. All right. So, I Look think at it. Look for it at a theater near you. Take that on the road. And does your wife factor into this? Because I remember seeing her some years ago, and uh, she's a pretty good comedian herself. Yeah, I actually mentioned that in the in the the little one man show that uh, I've been very lucky since April of '81. I've been able to earn my living uh, doing stand up, and I'm not even the funniest person in my marriage, <laughs> which is true. She she were, she still does improv. She still performs. She's with a, a group of female um, improvisers called Old Aunties, and she's also part of Bad Aunties. Sorry, Bad Aunties. Oh, not not Old Aunties, <laughs> Bad Aunties. <laughs> and she's also part of Devin Mike, and right now she's directing a play, and, and she's already been cast in another play after this one, so yeah, she's busy. Now, i got to confess, I don't know much about Larry Brown. Uh, this is a name that I, I guess I should be familiar with him, but I'm really not. Uh, tell us about him. Larry Bubbles Brown. You don't know Bubbles? I don't. Jesus, Doug. I don't know. I'm He's sorry. He's a Bay Area institution. Uh. Bubbs has been around. Uh, Bubbs is a, a kind of a sad sack, and that's what he plays on stage. You know, uh, <laughs> a, a sexual, uh, not, not a predator so much. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, kind of a, uh, a guy who can't ever uh, make it with women. Um, Pretty much, uh, yeah. So that's his character. But he's—it's all one-liners, and it's very funny. He's very funny, just very funny. All right. Well, um, of course, I'm Pollyanna. I think anybody who gets up on stage and has the cojones to attempt to make people laugh out loud on purpose against their will—you know—I—I I, I think that's cool.
You know, I have to admit, I, I, I just take my hat off to all you guys that do this, and it's not an easy thing to do, and my God, it, there's a component where you just turn the corner on it. I mean, is it just, is it always, always like, uh, you know, a moment of fear, butterflies before you go out? It, you know what happens, anything, you do anything long enough, you either get good at it, or, or people will tell you to stop doing it, and... In the case of comedy, it's both, you know? <laughs> but not in politics. Uh, yeah, well, in politics, yeah. But, uh, you know, if I had enough money, I could do what Peter... Remember Peter Lemongello, who, who, had, who was a billionaire, and he wanted to become a singer, and he just had all these ads about Peter Lemongello, you know, the greatest new singer? I and don't... he never had a career, so it doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But it does in politics, if you got the money. So, uh, are you going? Are you still going to remain uh, with your ear to the ground and all the political things going on? We hope so, because we're depending on you every week. Yeah, yeah. I uh, well, I'm I'm glad you run my little uh, thing, and it's uh, a lot of fun to write, and you know, it's always a challenge, and that's part of the deal. You know, I mean, uh, having to come up with something new, having uh, having you and uh, uh, Parallax Radio, depending on me, you know, so every Wednesday, Thursday, I, I have to sit down and knock something out, and then I try to make it funny. And, of course, uh, if people miss it listening to you on our, on our show, they can, uh, they can pick up the, the Humor Times, where James Israel has now put you in print. Yes. So I, d I do the commentary for you, and then that's the, uh, the germ. That's kind of the, the kernel, the nugget of uh, the column. That comes out on uh, Saturday, so so you guys uh, are symbiotic. And also, you know, if you miss if you miss a commentary some week and you want to hear it, uh, I'm sure you got them uh, stockpiled there, archived. But I also do it at the WillDurst.com website, so they can come see how the the, the audio commentary relates to the written commentary. Sometimes they're different. Like last week, the little red hen. I really got crazy with it when I went into print. <laughs> so, what, what do you when you want to when you want to go out and have a good time? Uh, what sort of things? I know you're a big ball fan, uh, Giants and such. What do you do when you want to go out on the town? Yeah, we're pretty boring. You know, Debbie and I hung out at nightclubs for like thirty years, and and now that's why I'm doing theaters. Why I'm writing little one man shows. I'm too old for the comedy clubs. The kids kids just stare at me like, why is this bitter old man lecturing me? So. <laughs> We hung out at clubs, and we went to movies, and we were flown here and there. And now, to be honest, you know, uh, and TV is so good, we'll, we'll just watch The Bridge. Uh, we got Breaking Bad and, you know, Stockpiled, and uh, we're just, uh, we got a big old uh, flat-screen TV because our 32-inch Toshiba died after 22 years. So I got to say, you know, dinner with friends and, a night in bed reading the paper and watching television. That's that's pretty much it. I'm sorry, man. Pretty boring. <laughs> and, and I want to ask you, too, about other... The Bay Area has always been this this fertile ground for comics to start going back to the hungry eye back in the 60s, even. We talked to Gerald Nachman about uh, some of his re rebellious comedians of the 1560s. I'm sure guys that inspired you quite a bit, Smothers Brothers and, and the like. Exactly, yeah. And, um, and, and I guess... <sighs> Is is this really dead? Are we seeing the the end of this? Because we still have numerous comedy clubs around, but I notice I don't go out to them as much as I used to, and just because I'm getting old like you. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. I mean, there's something about a comedy club, and this this didn't used to be so. I mean, it was a different kind of comedy that appealed. You know, like in the 50s, it was verbal jazz, so it appealed to a, a wider swath 
of the demographic. But now, it's pretty much uh, stand-up comedy. You know, it's between 18 and 35. And, and you want your comics to reflect your target demographic. So that's why, you know, people want the comics to be 18 to 30. Well, the audience does. Uh, they want to see somebody their own age talk about stuff they understand. You know, uh, you, you, nobody wants to see the old guy. What is it with you and the tattoos, you know? Because <laughs> the kids have the tattoos, and they're standing up uh, against, and they understand Facebook, and they know what it's about. They, they don't want to hear somebody complaining about it. <laughs> well, and also the language. You know, my audience won't go to a comedy club because of the language, and the kids are just breaking different ta taboos. You know, they're they're punching uh, punching the membrane of something that's already been set that we already broke or or we set up, and you know, we did that with anti-authoritarian because when we started out, you know, it was all mother-in-law jokes and stuff like that. And we were able to you know, screw the man. Now we are the man. <laughs> Well, what about the big screen? And Woody Allen, of course, uh, turned out a movie a year for I don't know ever since I don't know how long. Steve Martin, uh, I know, said that it was really tough to be a, a comic and go, you know, and, and entertain people like 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 you must do. And he couldn't wait to get into movies. Uh, any any thoughts uh, of you going in that direction? Um, I like my little. Uh, Bailey Wick. Uh, I, I could use some more money, you know, if uh, you know somebody uh, who's looking to be a, uh, a sponsor or, you know, wants to be a patron of an artist. <laughs> uh, you know, that would be fine. Uh, but uh, I like my, you know, I, I, I put out three books. I put out books in my columns. I write my column. It's nationally syndicated, not just in the Humor Times, but. 30, 40 newspapers around the country pick it up every week. And, you know, I'm, I'm not making a ton of money. I, I do a couple of corporate gigs. Uh, I do a couple of theaters. I still do a couple. I can do some clubs. I can do D.C. I can do San Francisco, Chicago, Minneapolis, you know, big towns. I can't do Kansas City anymore. They just want, you know, uh, 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 jokes about ejaculation and, and, and perspiration and, you know, any, any sort of human fluid uh, that's and I'm. That's not you know. It's hard to follow a guy like that. So that's why I like doing the one man show. I don't have to follow anybody. I can if I'm going to poison the crowd. I'm going to poison the crowd. I don't mind plugging this whole idea. I did want you to come down for our medical school reunion in September. Unfortunately, you're going to be in New York at that time. But uh, I'm sorry about that. I think you would have been uh, a great addition to the festivities. <laughs> yeah, the Giants are playing in New York, so we're going to go see both the Yankees and the Mets. All right, well, we don't care what he says. He still is America's foremost political comic, Mr. Will Durst. We remind you that uh, Will Durst is appearing here Friday, August 23rd, 7 p.m., Sierra Center's 24th Street Theater at 7 o'clock. Um, look forward to seeing you there, Will. Look forward to seeing you there, Douglas. You stay out of trouble, man. All right, take her easy. You too. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, that about does it for time. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett, your host, and you've been listening to... Radio Parallax. Can we get a reverb on that? Radio, Radio, Radio Parallax. Parallax. The next week's show, we're going to talk more about lying and public relations. Doesn't that sound like fun? We'll see you then.